of the Kenai. We're back again. Eric has decided to grace us with his presence today, and we're ever so grateful. Well, you see what happened. So uh, I took a little break, right, because I've been busy. And uh, I left, and our listens skyrocketed. <laughs> so I don't know. Yes. Correlation. But I'm back. Yeah. For uh, – yeah, and we're back for a special episode. We're doing um, another part of our One Year Later series today, which is we did SJ earlier, and now we're back with by far our most quotable podcast. Totally. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the last year and a half we've been doing this. We're so excited to have Zach back with us today. Zach, how you been, man? What's up, man? I'm doing good. <laughs> good. Glad, glad to be back. This is cool. Yeah, yeah. we've been, uh, we've been uh, talking for like the last like 20 minutes, right, uh, which has been just like great and uh so one of the reasons we were talking is because uh because of time right and you have a you have something about time right that you wanted to what time did this thing start it was we were gonna start at 10, 10. it's about ten thirty now we were here at what time you and me yeah 10 no we were here at 9 45 <laughs> oh yeah 9 45 so and it's ten thirty seven. yeah <laughs> i was so. here at 10 We've been we've been playing around for an hour. Yeah, you you have so- <laughs> you have something about being on time though, right? What, what yeah, we were being, talking be, I think being, being on, on time, time is really important. <laughs> I think it's extremely important, and I think that if you're not on time, I think it's uh, I don't know I don't know how did I say it? It's about being like considerate of other people's time. Yeah, I think you're yeah. inconsiderate if you're late. Really, I think it's lazy and I think it's rude. And I think it shows absolutely no respect for other people's time constraints. That's why I show up early. I mean, no offense to you, but it's, it's just kind of... I'm sitting here like, that is me. Yeah. <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know or really cares, Coven was 20 minutes late today. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this dentist is appointment, fun. but poorly poorly planned on my part. So. The roads are slick, dude. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah, right. It's forty degrees out there. There's construction. <laughs> so, um, well, it's kind of you had some big some big moments and events over the last year, What's right? Up? What's up? Let's just uh, update the listeners on a couple things in case they haven't gone back and listened to Zach's podcast. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. I haven't right. even listened to Zach's podcast. <laughs> yeah, Zach hasn't listened to it. Okay. So, yeah, there's been some big changes, right? You've had changes in your job. You've gotten married. Did. Right? Yes. Yeah, some big life things. So, let's talk about the I job transition. I see you flirt with your wife on Facebook a lot. I flirt with it's my wife. Awesome. I flirt with my wife all the time. I always see it, bro. <laughs> all it's the all, time. You always call her babe and stuff. It's super nice. I do, I see it, and I'm like, man, she must feel stinking hot right now. Yeah, she's <laughs> awesome, man. She's great. She does seem pretty cool. I yeah, well, I, would, I wouldn't have married her if she wasn't cool. Could you imagine being married to somebody who wasn't cool? I mean, <laughs> yeah, come yeah, on, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Think I think a lot of people get there. You know? She's cool, <laughs> man. Five years down the road, they're like, man, this person's not as cool as I thought they were. Oh, she's awesome, dude. So what's that been like with your recovery? Like, any- <laughs> I was knocking on wood for you, you know? <laughs> So what's that been like in your recovery? Like, so, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. leading up to a wedding can be pretty stressful. You're getting in, like, probably in a little more, I don't know if you guys were cohabitating before, but probably a little more intimate situation yeah. than you were previously. Five syllables. Yeah, big, using big words nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've been living together for about a year, and mm-hmm. I just knew when I knew, you know. It's like, right. better, better get off the pot, for lack <laughs> of a better term, and... Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. The wedding, the whole planning thing, that was beyond stressful. But she and her friend, they took it over real good, and I didn't have a lot to worry about. I mean, everybody pitches in and just kind of made it work, you know. So, yeah. But I think I that... Uh, so, like, so this is something I've thought about, like, the benefits of marriage, right? Right. What was some of the motivations for you? Because I think some people have their, like, classic motivations, right? And then others are a little more, like, marriage means something to each individual, maybe in its own, to their, in their own way. What were some of your main motivations? My main motivations? Maybe there's no special answer. Just well, like, I don't know. I want to be with her forever. Period. Yeah, you pretty know? much. Okay. I mean, Which is neither one of us are, like, super rich and famous. There sure. wasn't, like, I'm, like, you know, we got to do this or we won't make it. Or, you right, know, it was just, right. I love you and I want to be with you. And this is yeah. my commitment to the world and, mm -hmm. and to show everybody that this is what I want, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that's what I did. Yeah. Um, and are you guys I mean both in recovery? In a, oh, sorry. Oh, I, I mean this in like in a totally respectful way. Like I, it's not that I don't support marriage by any means. Right. But one of the things I've tried to come around with is like, you know, you see a lot of, this sounds terrible, but you see a lot of marriages fail, you know? And so I asked myself, like, like, I don't know if, like, making a, that commitment, like, because it, it doesn't guarantee anything, right? I mean, you see marriages fail a lot. And so I guess it's, like, does it, does, when you get married, right, do you feel or see a change in your, does it change the relationship? Because that's one of the questions I think is, like, maybe it changes the relationship for the individuals during that time of marriage, even if it doesn't end in the best of ways, right? Does it change it in a meaningful way? Like, because some, I've heard some people say, you know, marriage is just a title and a certificate and a tax break, and you know, ultimately like that contract of marriage contract can fail. But I'm thinking, okay, like, but does it change that relationship during that time of marriage? Have you noticed your relationship change in some in some ways it's hard to say i feel like you're straightforward you know and yeah so thoughtful so i thought i'd ask you yeah um well she was my friend first sure. that's first and foremost she is she's my best friend she is i mean we're we're close to begin with mm -hmm. and it just really it's brought us closer you okay. know it's like living with your bad roommate every day and you can just have fun and be yourself and there's really not a lot of I don't have a lot of worry or fear, like, oh, what's she going to think? Like, oh, you know, like. Sure. So she, it brings some security, maybe? Yeah. Cool. And knowing that she's there to pull the other end of the, you know, work the other end of the oars in the boat, you know. Mm -hmm. There's two oars, and we kind of work together, and we just kind of make it happen. Like with the wedding, you know, I didn't do all that myself, you know. Yeah. She, she kind of told me, you know, this is what we're going to do, and this is what I'd like, and. You know, she was super involved in the process, and really the whole day was about her, you know, and that's the truth. When I was six years old, I wasn't like, when I get married, I'm going to do this. <laughs> right, right, that was right. her, you know. Yeah. So really, it's, it had nothing to do with me. I sought counsel from another guy. I'm like, what do I do? He's like, what do you mean, what do you do? You be right. quiet and you stand there. It's not about you. Sure. I was like, oh, weird. Yeah. So it's um, good. Here's another question. Since you, I think you're straightforward, you know, you give me a good answer. To be a good roommate, is there a limit on how long you can let the dishes soak <laughs> before you wash them? Uh, I don't know. Like, how long is too long? 
regarding soaking the dishes only. Oh, soaking? I Just soaking. Soaking? But from a recovery perspective. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what we're all You see this look on my face? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, there's, uh, there's a kind Ch of a... Uh, an agenda that's he being chocks pursued. the dishes up. He's like, "That's just one of my character defects." <laughs> like, but uh, I don't know. Soaking for as long as you need to. You know what I mean? But but yeah, get it done. That's not what I was looking but for. but get it done and within a t within reason. What's reason? Know, then? I don't know. Days, number of days. Oh no, not days. I don't know what you guys are doing, but definitely not, not days. No, not guys, guy, Aaron. Aaron, do the dishes. Just soak them for like seven Dude, days. No, here's here's soak, the garbage right here. Just soak them 10 to 20 days. 10 to 20 no. days? No, That's just that. inaccurate. But dude, I'm the only one who does dishes. He's been on dishes track hey, for six months. I'll cue you in, dude. I got kids. I don't really have to do the dishes anymore. Yeah, I saw your meme the other day about like looking back at the... But it's you just yelling to the kids yeah. about the dishes. You know? I mean, I'll do, I'll do the pots and pans and the hard stuff, you know? Like, right. I'm not going to let them fail but like come on load load your plate it's not that big a deal yeah so what's like i know you had your when we talked last time you were back in your kids' life again as well How, so do you have kids living with you now in home yeah yeah so this is this is the rollout of the whole thing is i got four kids my youngest daughter lives with me full time my mm -hmm. wife takes How care of her she? she's nine okay and fourth grade nine years old mm -hmm. And so she's in the house the, the whole time. And the other, my, uh, my other three kids live with me half time. When I'm home, they're with me. Mm -hmm. I'm either at work or I have my kids. And they, mm -hmm. they go to their mom when I'm at work. Mm -hmm. right. So, yeah. Which, on the, on the topic of work, you, what are you doing now? Because you were, uh, as Aaron would call it, CPHS. But you were at PCHS last time. But now I think... You, you say when you're home, meaning you're doing shift work. Yeah, I'm, I'm working uh, two weeks on, two weeks off up in Prudhoe Bay. I nice. work for for CCI on the nice. on the tanks crew. We're actually fixing to flip over. I'm doing abatement work for the winter. But uh, yeah, abatement work. What's yeah, that? Uh, removing asbestos. Oh wow! Nice. So which I don't know anything about. I sure. actually start Just that on, on Friday. I actually start that. But yeah, working on the slope two nice. and two oil field. Nice, dude. Has that, has that been difficult with your recovery? Kind of just like from what we've heard with the culture up there. And sort of. Um, yeah. It's weird. I actually seen a flyer for a 12-step meeting at the camp I was at, and I went nice. there. Mm -hmm. It was 6 o'clock in this little conference room, and I go there, and it's me and one other dude. Mm -hmm. And right. I was like, that's well, all it takes, you know, two mm -hmm. guys in a coffee pot, that's a meeting, right? Right. So it's just me and this dude, and come to find out he'd been uh, sober and clean for a year. Oh, nice. uh, he didn't know anything about the steps, didn't know anything about program. He just goes and he opens this meeting, and, and that's what he did. And so it was like, it was really cool to, mm -hmm. to visit with him, and I've seen him on some jobs, and I see him around camp. And, and what's actually happened is him and I have developed a pretty close friendship, mm -hmm. and we talk and text, and, and he's actually a pretty cool guy. Nice. Um, so, uh, so, and there's there's a couple other guys in my crew that don't drink, and and, and mm -hmm. you know everybody I work with, obviously they don't really know the whole story, but they know like Zach doesn't, you know, Zach's right. clean, he doesn't drink, he doesn't do drugs, mm -hmm. you know, I'm the straight shooter on the crew. Right, right. right. So, and that's different. Yeah, but what I find is a lot of people are super respectful to that. If you mm -hmm. tell somebody that you don't, you know, 
like yeah I'm clean I don't I don't do that anymore and you know they're pretty supportive but on the flip side it's like you know with alcohol especially alcohol is the only drug that we have to explain not using yeah, yeah. I just saw that the other day or like a couple of weeks ago some maybe it was like an old article but I read an article about something like that yeah yeah it's interesting yeah it's the only one yeah that people are like, oh, you don't smoke weed? Like, and, like that doesn't happen. Or you don't smoke meth? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't drink, yeah. Well, how about a beer? Yes, that's still alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> so, right? yeah, yeah. So, but as far as the, the being away, you know, if you break the math down, two on, two off, that's six months, a year. Break that down on a larger scale, you know, a year. You're home for, in two years, you're home for a year. You know, mm -hmm. ten years, you'll only be home for five. Like, I'm there. Right, you know, and it's you can't do anything to speed the time up. Mm -hmm. It's like you're you're there, and so I have to live in my head a little bit. But it's cool because I have a phone, and I know that that sounds really primitive and kind of elementary. But I can pick the phone up, and I can call anybody. Mm -hmm. And I have other friends, friends in recovery from this area that live that work there too. Mm -hmm. So when I'm getting a little sideways or, or whatever, I can pick up the phone and, and link up physically, like go see these people. Mm -hmm. The place is only so big. Mm, right. Go drive over there or go to, you know, hang out and eat dinner and, and visit with these people and, and, mm -hmm. and kind of get leveled out. Right. So I'm not as alone as I think I am. Even mm -hmm. at the most, one of the most remote places on the planet, there are other people like me. Yeah. Has it been easier to get support over time? Like just reaching out for that? Well, I think that there's a lot of support for people in early recovery, mm. right? And people tend to cut you more of a break. Mm. And, and I think the same is true, like, when you're young, people kind of chalk it up to like, oh, you're 18, like, oh, we'll let it slide, or here, we're going to give you a hand up, we're going to give you a, you know, once you're 30, it's kind of like, what are you doing, bro? Mm -hmm. you, you know this, this isn't day one stuff. So I, I think that there's definitely support, um, but I think that there is a, definitely a time limit or, or maybe even an expiration date on, on the caliber of help that's to be received. Mm. You know, like I said, I think it's a lot easier for an 18-year-old kid to find you know, employment support or this or that than, mm. than it is for like a 55-year-old man, you know, because it's not like he doesn't know any better. I mean, everybody falls on hard times. I'm not saying that they don't deserve the chance or the help or the this or the that. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you're, if you're newer, in any sense of the word, I think there's a little bit more support. Sure. Do you think there's kind of an expectation that as you get older and um, as you learn how to deal with this more that you're not going to struggle anymore? Or it's going to be a lot less kind of riding on that concept of, uh, you know, the earlier you are, the more they can chalk it up to kind of ignorance. I don't really know how to answer that, to be honest. That's fine. I think that uh, that there's wisdom in experience and time, right? Mm. Whether it's how long you've been sober or how old you are. And I think that personally, some of this stuff has gotten a little harder for me, mm. you know, being 30. And it's like you got to carry your weight and you got to... You know, you're expected to know these things and, you know, this is not day one and, and you know, let's get it together. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like I said, when you're younger, it's, you can kind of flounder around and you kind of get a break. Like once you're floundering, when you're a little older or been down mm -hmm. the road a little further, it's just like, mm, you might drown. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
you're not taking care of you and you're mm -hmm. not doing what you're supposed to do and being where you're supposed to be and being on time and all these other things, like, there's consequences to everything. Right. And I think that failing, as fearful as that is and as afraid as I am of failure, um, it's totally possible. And I think I am actually afraid of it because I know that it's real. Right. Sure. And I think that's a big, you know... A big part of, like you said, as we become older, you know, and knowing better, getting like that wisdom and experience is realizing that failure is possible. You know what I mean? Like people go through their lives telling themselves like, oh, this and this won't happen to me. You know, especially when you're young, obviously, but like even as you get older, oh, this won't happen to me or that won't happen to me or I would like, I just won't fail. You know what I mean? Like, or, or I won't become addicted to drugs, right? right? Yeah. I have a son who's five and he's just awesome. He's like so great. When I was his age, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about being 30 and oh my God, I'm going to end up a drug addict. And eh, like, mm -hmm. I just wasn't, I didn't know anything about it. Right. You know, I aspired to be something different. You know, I didn't even know what I want to be when I grew up. I can't even remember. But mm. I know it wasn't addicted to drugs and going to jail. Right. You know, right. I didn't want that for myself. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, through the course of my own choices, that's actually when it ended up happening. Which practical real world application tells me that there's consequences. Mm -hmm. And they chalk it up. There's this new thing, you know, and it's, I think it's a relatively newer concept that they're talking about in society is uh, positive and negative consequences, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that when we were young or when I was young, they didn't really talk about positive consequences very much. It was mm -hmm. just, there was a consequence and, and to me that word was bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I don't even know where I was going with that to be square with you guys, sure. but, but there are consequences yeah. good or bad. And mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the that's it's interesting to bring the like that failure is possible i think there comes a point and maybe it takes like an amount of failure for it to happen i'm not sure that it does though i think there comes a point though where you if you're kind of like a little bit self-aware you kind of start to realize man i can be an extreme asset for myself or i can be a dang liability you know and you got to kind of keep yourself on like the asset side of things because otherwise, yeah, you have to. And I think that, I think that that's probably a little bit healthy though. You know, you don't want to become like overly, because it, it sounds like people, you know, I've heard people say that the disease of addiction can be very, very cunning, you know, cutting, kind of tricking you into cunning, baffling and powerful. Sure. Right though. Truly though. It's right there I mean, in the book. It can start to get to where. You think you got it, you got it licked, right? And then it kind of, it'll take you down, you know? So you gotta, I don't think you want to live your life in fear, but like a small amount of like, like realism is, 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 is good for it. Well, guy. I'm a cynic, bro. Like I am extremely cynical. I am very, I wouldn't say pessimistic. You know, I think it's being more they might real, go together. more realistic, you know, sure. and I call it, I'm just being real, right, you right, know, right, but, uh, <laughs> like, but, but real recognize real. That's right. Okay, okay. That's right. So with that, a lot of people think that I can be negative. Like you're being so negative right now and you're being rude and you're not being this. And I'm just like, look, dude, I'm just being straight up about it. You know what I mean? Like this could happen. You know, there you need to look at the bigger picture. Like, if you want to play with fire, you absolutely do that. Burn your house down. 
Right. You know, and when that happens, like, oh, shit, the house burned down. We were playing with matches. Oh, my God. Right. Like, well, you were playing with matches, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean. I think that's just a big step in, like, especially in recovery, too. You know what I mean? Where you're just thinking things forward, you know, realizing, like, even outside of failure itself. But like you said, like playing with matches, you know what I mean? One to recognize that you're playing with matches. And when you think like what you're doing isn't necessarily playing with matches, but like somebody like that can hold you accountable is like, bro, you're super playing with matches right now. You know right. I mean? It's like, is there, is there anyone that plays that role for you? Somebody now? that checks my blind spots and yeah. tells me when I'm acting a fool? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to Bud and to David and to Phil and Kayla and all these people that check my blind spots regularly, mm-hmm. like, hey, you're not acting right. Right. You know, you're playing with matches, you're being an idiot, and you need to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the people in my life that do that for me. Right. Because I don't have it all figured out, right? Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. like, super PC and shined up bright, and I'm not just, you know, perfect. I'm right. just, like, a regular dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and sometimes I fail, and sometimes yeah. I, you know, I don't always, like I said, and I've said it again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like I don't always act right, mm-hmm. and I need those people to recognize that for me. It's like my little puppy that I just got. He doesn't like super know better. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know when he's, you know, he knows when he's peeing in the house, but he doesn't know it's wrong. So like I got to kind of swat him on the butt and bring him outside, and we're like trying to do this like corrective training with this dog to go to the bathroom outside and it's like if you I wasn't outside you like give him a little, little pat on the back yeah and then like give consequence yeah give him a little uh, piece of little treat you know and he goes outside and you give him all this praise and, and he's like starting to kind of get it mm-hmm. so but left to his own devices without me explaining to him in the way that we do and my whole family it's not just me my mm-hmm. wife and kids are actually helping a lot with potty training and she's kind of headlining it and the kids are super involved and without that positive reinforcement you know or checking the dog's blind spot stupid as that sounds like he would never learn that mm-hmm. on his own mm-hmm. right. just like me yeah. i would never have realized that the things i was doing or you know this or that is bad if somebody mm-hmm. wasn't checking me on it mm-hmm. right and eventually you get tired of feeling like that. You get tired of being told, hey, bro, you're not making the right choice. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Like if you get told that you're being late enough, eventually you'll get tired of hearing that. And you'll start showing up on time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think like when you're in, a, especially when you're in addiction too, like I think that's a big step in recovery is like actually like accepting that and not just like being like, well... F you or whatever you know what I mean or kind of just like brushing them off as like people who don't support you or people who don't love you you know or and really like realizing that those people actually do like probably have the best for you and I think in uh, as people get more sobriety they become more in tune with like behavior and outcome relationships you know Mm -hmm. they start to understand like because I think in recovery, you're so just tuned into, I mean, in active addiction, you're so tuned into chasing some rewards, mm-hmm. chasing drugs or chasing alcohol. But like after a while, and you kind of turn yourself off from, from these consequences that normally would check a more healthy person, you know, like certain consequences of losing certain relationships. Like normally those type of like 
those would be like a punishment, right? I mean, that kind of punishment is what we see like like a dog, you know, and like it kind of kind of trains somebody in a more in a healthier direction. But I think in addiction, I think some of the like some of the like psychology stuff that I've looked at in the past too kind of shows like people in addiction don't have as good of a relationship with understanding like completely the behaviors and the outcomes or at least like acting in right acting well, in I a understood. way that's sensitive to I that. understand it wasn't my comprehension it was my level of care like mm-hmm. I just didn't care right mm-hmm. at at that time you know six seven eight years ago I was like 22 21 19 mm-hmm. like I had no I had an awareness of the consequences but I didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. oh, well, they'll just put me in jail for like three days. That's really not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, now, like, I don't want to go to jail. Not for three days, not for five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just did not care. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that I don't know if it's recovery or, or, or abstinence or getting older or whatever it is that's caused me to, to think. Maybe I just had enough of that. But, but now I'm concerned, right? Like, mm-hmm. I do everything I can to follow the law. I don't break the law in any capacity because I don't want to deal with those consequences. Mm-hmm. I already had enough of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that a person, if they could get off the long enough, I mean, for lack of a better term, you sober up long enough and start making a little bit better choices, you could probably really, I wouldn't say it would completely fix all of the problems in your life. There's other work to be done, but if you just start with that as a baseline, uh, I think a lot can be accomplished. Yeah. Just that initial period of abstinence, and then that awareness will come. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it'll be there and you'll be enlightened in 60 days and you'll know everything and everything will just click. Everybody says that it's really starting to click. I'm really starting to get it at like 30 or 60, 90 days. You know, they're like, I'm really starting to get it. That's when I'm like, red flag, oh, reel it back, dude. Because mm-hmm. the minute that you think you know it, the minute that you think you got it licked. That's when it gets you. Mm-hmm. I think a, yeah, I think a main difference though when we, from when we talked about a year ago, right, was, you know, you you had two years clean then. You have about three years and a few months uh, clean now, and it seemed like I just listened to that podcast again today, right? And it seemed like you uh, you were turning from being in mostly invested in which is what we're talking about now right you have these people that invest in you and kind of keep you right but it seems like you were about to it seemed like there was some transformation happening and that you were about to be the investor you were about to be investing in other people it seemed like have you has that started to turn because i think that that's gonna happen right as you get older and more recovery there will still be investment in you, but you will be one of those key people in people's lives, too. I wouldn't say key people, but I do know You've this. had some key people in your life, though. Yeah. Your sponsor that was, like you said, 56 years old, taking in a noon meetings. He was, he, was a key, he was a key part of your life. Key player in my life. His name's Phil, and he's absolutely bad. I'm right. going to say that out loud for everybody in the world to hear. Um, the guy's like a mentor. He's more than my sponsor. He's like my dad. Right. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like my... Yeah. my my mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have a really big soft spot for these young dudes. They're like in their early 20s. You know, I met a guy recently. He was like 22 or 23, and he was like really struggling. I don't know if I want to be clean. I don't know. Like, I'm tired of getting in trouble. And, you know, that's me. 
-hmm. When I look at him, the only thing I see is me eight, nine years ago. And I want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. But I already know, like, I'm not going to tell him something and he's just it's going to click for him. Like, he's got to go through what he's got to go through. But what I do do is I'm there mm -hmm. for people like that. The underdog, that's who I'm there for. The back of the, the back of the class kids, that's me. And that's who I try to be there for. And especially these younger dudes. Because I just... What does that look like now? I just, I, I just that. wish that I had some form of a mentor that was in his 30s that I would have listened to. You know, some of the... I don't really dish out a lot of advice. And I'm not like some guru. And what I have to say is half the time complete. But, but I wish that somebody was there to say some of those things to me. Mm -hmm. and, I, and so that's what I try to be for them whether they want to listen to it or not I mean they're going to do what they're going to do right. and I can't fix them and I'm not going to go chase them down I'm, not, I'm done kicking indoors at trap houses to go save people we're, we're long past that's how I was about two years ago a year ago you know let's go get them you know, I don't know if anybody listening has been to the trap on Echo Lake it's kind of a hot spot and everybody knows about it but like I've gone there and go pull dudes out. And we're going, you know, and put them on the plane to go to treatment. You know, those those days for me, like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just not. You sound like a, like a really aggressive missionary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Which and I think part of that too, dude, is like for them especially too, you know, because they, not everybody, but like some people have people that do that. You know what I mean? Then they come back and they relapse and like. I think it's nice to have somebody that you know, because I don't think it's that you don't care and that's not why you're doing that. I think you realize that, like, first of all, you can't save everybody. You right. can do what you can do and what's applicable to you, and then you can be there when they get back and they can know that they have somebody that they can trust and come to when they're really ready. You know what I mean? Like well, you said. Because like, I'm codependent, right? And mm -hmm. if you are an addict and you think you're not codependent, then you're in denial. Okay, you need to call somebody about that because it's absolutely true. Addiction, alcoholism, which are the exact same thing. Addiction and alcoholism, exact same thing. And it all goes hand in hand with codependency, right? And just a footnote, uh, addiction is just spicy alcoholism. Okay, I'm an alcoholic then an addict. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god. Um, I'm going to go to work and my job. <laughs> That's what, right, right. Um, so I think that, I don't even know where I was going with that. The, uh, the codependency, right? Like I am a codependent and I do want to save those people and I want to take them in and I want to put them up on my couch for years and I want to feed them and take them to work and all this stuff and really, you know, we're going to go find you a job today and, and that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And, and I have done that before. Even in my disease, I always had somebody living on the couch. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if it was just a live-in drinking partner, I mean, and I need somebody there. You know, and, and I can't be that anymore. I can't motivate other adults to do what they're supposed to do. I can't lead the horse to water and make him drink it and all this. Like, I'm just, and I'm slowly realizing that over time. I can't right. do that, even though that's, what I want to do. So I guess moving forward, what do you think your investment in others will look like without going to that extreme that you don't want to do? Because I think as you move forward in your recovery, right, one of the things you talked about last podcast that was really great and well-timed was that as you were evolving, your recovery was evolving a bit. You know, you, when you were first getting clean, you were like, 
meeting, 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 meeting. And then as things change, like your recovery took on like a somewhat of a different form and not necessarily any kind of like less investment, just a different type of. And I imagine you're going to evolve in a way that you start to invest in others. I is, think that, you know, I think what that, does that look like? I think being available is a huge thing. I still answer my phone at weird hours. And I get, when I give my number out to somebody, it's not only call after five or, you know, don't call me before three. You know, it's call me. I don't care when you call. It doesn't matter. You know, and if I can't get to you because I am at work, I really will call you back after yeah. six. Yeah. You know, call whenever you'd I think like. that's significant. Yeah, and, I, and I try to be available. And uh, I think what's also really important, I think employment is really important. And, and a lot of people are like, oh, my God, Zach, you work too much. And, and, and that's probably true. But I think that getting into the mainstream of life and being employed and going to work and creating a routine for yourself, because I don't just go to work for the money. Really, that's the money's like a byproduct, right? It's like the real benefit is the routine. Like I talked about a year ago, my sponsor picked me up at the house, 8 o'clock. What that did was teach me to be on time and be accountable. And then I'm learning something and I'm doing something productive. And so for me going, you know, and working the way I do. And then I come home and I got these little weird projects. And I'm like always tinkering on something. Or Yeah, it seems like you always need some car part. Yeah. Or like you're looking to buy a car or sell shout, a car. Shout out to the boys at Kenai O'Reilly's. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm in there all the time. Right, right, yeah. It seems like you, there's always like selling a car, buying a car, selling a part, buying a part. I don't yeah. I, you know, I, I lost track, bro. Yeah, I don't even know what I got going yeah. on. But I think staying busy is really, really important yeah. and, and to create a routine. And for guys in early recovery, you know, um, treatment centers and, and, and places like that and anywhere you would go to group or not necessarily a treatment center, but any type of treatment program, you know, they're like, don't go to work full time. You know, really? Don't get a full-time job. You know, you need to work on yourself. Get, you know, get a firm foundation, then get a job. It's like, well, how do I keep from starving to death? You know, yeah. then we get these part-time jobs and we kind of, you know, we do this and we do that. And we, you know, utilize like public assistance, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And, you know, and, these, and then we get through our first couple of months, you know, but... But I think that to tell somebody not to get a job and you need to go to group for eight hours a day, I don't really think that's all that helpful. I mean, groups are great. I think going to group and group therapy and, and process groups, those are my favorite. I think that there's, there's a lot of help and a lot of healing that happens with that. Good information, whatever you want to call it. But I do think that finding a routine and going to work is, is important. Mm-hmm. You know, and for somebody to, to say that, you know, don't get a job, you need to be in group. It's like, I don't really fully understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, especially after you already did like 30, 40, 50 days of treatment, you know, it's like, I already been out of work. I haven't, you know, I'm just stagnant. It's like, I'm working on myself so much. It's just self, self, self. And then they, you know, every, and then when I say they, it's not any specific targeted group. It's just the general consensus is, you know, work on yourself, work on yourself, work on yourself. But, but on the flip side, it's like be selfless and, and, and get out of yourself. It's work on yourself, but get out of yourself. And it's like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't fully understand that. And I still don't really, it's like, it's like a balance. It kind of comes in. And there's kind of this weird, I've thought about that too. And it's actually, yeah, it's, uh, there's like this weird, cause it's like, seems contradictory in its language because it's like, 
a lot of people say like the best way to help yourself is helping others right or like the best way to like heal yourself is by first like helping someone else you know and that seems like like you said but i think it's it, it, it works you know and it makes sense like it's just like I think it's the, the words that make it hard. By being selfless, you can best be, like, selfish, you know, which is like, wait, what? But really, the process is kind of, you know, helping someone else, and then in turn, that, like, helps you out more than... And it does. Yeah. So my natural state is me. I want to talk about me. Everybody wants to. Let's talk about me, baby. <laughs> right, right. So when I get <laughs> out of myself <laughs> and I focus on other people's problems... Even if it's just for an afternoon, mm -hmm. right? Then I get something out of it. It's super weird. Like, it just does something to me. Like, I get help working on my truck. My friend comes over. We knock out the little project. And then the next day, actually, he has a day off, I think, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Or today, Wednesday? Maybe today. Hopefully it's today. Anyway, it's, what are we doing on your truck tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not just me, me, me. I can't. I can't work on my truck for five days in a row. Right. You know, let's let's flip the script. Let's go do something for you now. It's almost like this quid pro quo without an expectation. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. Do you think that's been a, a change for you as well? Because when it was kind of all about you, it was more like uh, you take what you can get and everyone else is kind of taking what they can get. Dude, I'll suck the well dry. I don't <laughs> right. even care. And then I'll suck your well dry. <laughs> I don't care. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's how it was. <laughs> but now you see, like, it, once you have both parties giving, like, if one party's just taking and the other's giving, then it just feels, like, unfair. It sucks. But, right. But, you know, what was that a kind of a revelation for you of seeing that you put some effort into this? And was that just kind of a surprise? Kind of, yeah. A lot of this is, is, you know, these are not new concepts. These are actually anything that we're talking about as far as recovery-related stuff. Like, this is all pretty old-school way of thinking, you know? Right. And it's so, it's like, wow, it worked. Well, of course it worked. It's worked forever. <laughs> and, you know, and I like to say anything that I've ever heard at a 12-step meeting is literally everything that my grandma told me when I was a young kid. None of these are new concepts. You know, be kind to everybody else and don't abuse people. And, you know, first and foremost, don't drink any booze. Grandma told you that when you're young. Okay, be nice to people. Show up on time. Pay your bills. You know, it's just right. like all of these concepts that I've had to, like, relearn as an adult. If I would have mm -hmm. just listened the first time, like, I probably wouldn't even be sitting here talking to you guys. These, right. are, these are not new ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's... And it's, I think, like, in the real world, like, practical application sense, though, you know what I mean? Like... Doing those things that all like your grandma tells you to do when you're seven is really easy to be idealized when you're seven. You know what I mean? When I you're like when I get to be 16, 17, there's no way I'm gonna let, let ever let anybody tell me that I need to drink. You know what I mean? Or there's right. no way that I'm ever gonna smoke pot. You know, and you're like or whatever that may look like. There's no way I'm ever like you said. You didn't wake up when you were five and be like, man, when I'm 21, I want to be a drug addict. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think like when you get into like those where things get pretty tough. What your grandma said is like the last thing on your mind. You know what I mean? It's like learning those things as an adult is important. You know what I mean? And even right. as you get older, because some people don't have the consistent support, even when you're 15, 16, 17, that like your grandma's still there saying, remember, we talked about this. You're not supposed to do these things. For a lot of people that fall into addiction, like they don't have grandma saying, don't do this. They have 
who's important to them, friend A, B, and C, saying, oh, let's go do this. You know what I mean? Right. It's like when you get out of those environments and you kind of have some time to really learn to reflect and actually apply these things, it's, I mean, it's not new information, but applying the information is new to you. You know what I mean? Like, and difficult at times. Even, I mean, for anybody, dude, like, how much, like, it's hard for, it's sometimes harder than it should be for people to be good humans. You know I mean, that's something I think all of us struggle with at times. You know what I mean? We all come up with these little, like, battles in our head of, like, when to do the right thing and what is the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's part of that's just part of the human experience. You what's know what easy is mean? not always right, and what's right is not always easy, right? Amen. Okay. So your first podcast was cleverly titled by me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? And so how has... The difficulty, like just some day-to-day things or even some grand scheme things that have either remained as difficult or have gotten easier or have gotten harder um, as you've progressed over the last year. I came into recovery. Like when I went to treatment, uh, I had a lot of wreckage. I had a lot of in the past that was just really really heavy because I made some really heavy choices when I was real young Mm -hmm. that altered the course of my whole life right and I did so with no fear of consequence so now that it's time to stop using drugs time to stop drinking let's fix my life like I had to go back and deal with some of that Mm -hmm. you know and and a big part of that was was you know the legal system and I and I talk about it often not often but when we when these things come up, it's worth mm-hmm. mentioning. It's a large part of the beginning of my story was I couldn't stay out of trouble. I couldn't right. stop acting a certain way, and so I had to deal with those consequences. And part of those consequences were the financial end of it, mm-hmm. right? So every time you go to jail, it costs money. Right. Anytime you get sentenced for a crime, there's a $50 court surcharge, mm-hmm. plus whatever you broke, plus right. the price of this. You know, it costs thousands of dollars to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. And we live in a state where we get this PFD, right? Right. And if you don't act right, then they take it away. Mm -hmm. And it goes to the court every time. So 2008 was the last year I saw a dividend. Mm -hmm. And I kept getting in trouble and then child support and then the IRS. Then these other problems. And it was just, I just owed all this money and and I don't have any. Mm -hmm. So I just apply for the dividend and then they take it away. Right. And this year was the first year since 2008 that I got to see even just a little piece of one. Mm-hmm. And, nice. and, and which was cool. And I wasn't even as excited of, oh, I get the little piece. Like, I could care less about right. the little piece. What that means is I am finally paid off. Right. I don't owe the state anything. Me and the state of Alaska, for the first time in my adult life, we're square. <laughs> right. We're done. It's less about what you're getting and more about what you don't have to give. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so I don't have to pay them ever again. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't speed. I, I have insurance these days. Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty straight shooter, to right. be honest. Yeah. And so I don't, like, that was huge. It mm-hmm. was the absolute, like, the biggest victory so far. Yeah. You know, once I handled the child support stuff and got that paid off and took responsibility for my kids. And so now they're not taking money out of my checks. Mm-hmm. I'm supporting my kids. They're not taking money from my dividend. Right. Like, like now I'm winning mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. 
Like, right. Maybe I'm not winning, but I'm definitely not losing as hard as I was. Yeah. 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 Just so, catching up, man. Yeah. Least. So now, yeah. really, I'm just at square. You know, I'm I'm zero, and, mm-hmm. and that's good. Right. I'm good with that. And I think thing. that's a hard. I mean, as you still like fight this fight with stigma. You know what I mean? It's like kind of hard for people to understand that have never like been kind of drowning in that stuff. Just how like. You know, because people, I feel like, get this kind of view of, you know, people who are in trouble with the court system or owe a lot of money to this or have their license suspended because of this, uh, financial things, you know what I mean? Like, we're kind of like, I just don't know why they don't clean up your act. Yeah, clean up your act. You just got to stay out of jail. How hard is that? Well, dude, when you're a drug addict, that's pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier to go to jail than it is to stay out, especially when like people know you and you're in a small town and people know your face and they look. The cop sees Zach and he says, "Let's pull Zach over because there's like a 95 percent chance he's using, and yeah, then we're we gonna know, book him." Today. Yeah. Oh, uh, when I got my license back, I got pulled over, and it was quite the spectacle, right? There's like <laughs> three, four cops, and they all know I don't have a license, and so they're like, they like swarm me, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Whoa." You got a driver's license. <laughs> you know? Whoa! They all, they're all passing it around. Like, Look at that, dude! And it was like they were like, "Yeah, Zach, all right." Call yeah, their friends. He's uh, not gonna believe what happened to Zach. Yeah, we swarmed him. He's clean. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was able to clean some of that up, and and it felt good, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, and it's not just all about me because I got good friends, right? right? Like I got a friend, and I won't say his name because he'll hear this and he'll just know, right? Mm-hmm. He goes to jail uh, frequently, or he was going for a long time, for like 10 years, in and out, in and out. And this last time, they broke him off pretty hard, you know, like two years or whatever. And uh, he's an addict, same as me. Mm. And he gets out, and he completes treatment, and he gets a job, and he starts doing the right thing, Mm. and he pays off his fines. Right. And he gets a driver's license for the first time in his adult life, and he's like going to work every day. And he's checking in with the PO, and he's and he's clearing, and he's passing his piss test, and he's mm-hmm. like, he's doing really good, man. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, and I, I hit him up, and I was like, how are things, you know? And I, I know how things are from. What do you think about all that? Right. And he's like, dude, you wouldn't believe how easy it is to stay out of jail. Like, <laughs> he was like, this is like, he's like, you just do the right thing, and then you like just don't get in trouble. And I'm like, what a concept, <laughs> you know. But, but no, I had dude, the same revelation, too. I was right. like, dude, once you're doing the right thing, like, it's easy to do the right thing. Dude, that happened to me the other day. So I got, I was on my way out to the college, right? Right. And I spent, like, a solid year and a half, two years without car insurance. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. And it wasn't even, dude, like, a if you part get, of it. If you get caught two times with that, they'll take your license. Yeah. That's all it takes. That's, yeah. that's what got mine revoked initially. Mm-hmm. Two and no insurance tickets. Yeah, dude, and like... And I'm just, and I got pulled over the other day and part of that was in my addiction and part of it was like right into like recovery too, because like, first of all, dude, I had spent some money on some things that just weren't car insurance and I wasn't like, and I wasn't going to work enough to right. make enough money to pay for car insurance. Right. And, but then I get in this thinking too, where I'm like, car insurance, it's a scam. <laughs> it's a racket. I don't see why everybody needs it, you know? Yeah. I don't even get in accidents that often, which is a total lie, because I do. I'm the worst driver ever. Literally, like, the most terrible driver ever. And I get pulled over the other day, and I see those lights in my rear view, you know? And it's like, I almost felt like I was in a movie, because my heart starts beating really fast, my palms are getting sweaty, and I'm like, I can't take it. And then, I, like, he shows up, and he's like, license and registration and insurance. And I'm like, 
I got all three of those, bro. I got my car registered. I got insurance. I got the right plates. I'm like, whoa, bam. Right. Here you go. And he's like, huh. Well, he still gave me a ticket for speeding. But hey, dude, it was, it was like 100 bucks instead of 500 bucks for no insurance. Because I did right. get one of those, which is not a good time. Those suck. Yeah. But yeah, dude, it's a big, like, and I think that's one thing, dude, that like, even just for people that don't have addiction with people or have experience with people in addiction or don't suffer from addiction themselves that like part of just being a compassionate human is like realizing that life is relative you know and that like these little victories for people like not that you they deserve like a thousand dollars and a medal you know what i mean but like someone gets their license back bro like a pat on the back would be dude, appreciated. have you ever have you <laughs> ever been to a 12-step meeting before uh -uh. oh dude if you ever go to like an aa or an na meeting Somebody shares about getting their license back, dude. It's like a standing ovation <laughs> we talked about because this, yeah. because they get it, you know. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, and and regular normal people would be like, what, the, you know, what, Ugh. Right. but it but it is. It's a huge mm -hmm. thing, and and I think it's anybody that is changing their life, it's worth uh, recognizing, right? You know, and I don't care if it's people talk about addiction and then you talked about like the human condition right and it's and like we're just humans mm -hmm. right doesn't matter if they're an alcoholic or an addict or this or that or they're struggling because i know mm -hmm. plenty of people in the struggle that ain't even getting high bro right they're just struggling mm -hmm. yeah, they're just struggling and i think that the understanding that comes in right like mm -hmm. oh they're struggling how can i support them or or what right. can i do or to find the mediating point mm -hmm. you know i guess you you know practice some empathy right and it's we're just people at the end of the day mm -hmm. yeah. so have you ever struggled with kind of celebrating the small victories i know you really like realism so i could see a situation in which you taking responsibility for your life or kind of getting back into it just feels like great now i'm just a regular person you know now i'm just not things up more or less yeah. like do you ever struggle with just kind of patting yourself on the back for the victories that you do make uh it's kind of a that's kind of a weird question like back to the dividend thing because that's the mm -hmm. most tangible the check was in my hand right right yeah that's the most tangible celebratory like thing that i've had going on lately aside from getting married obviously which i shouted that from the rooftop <laughs> but yeah but uh like with the check you know i just was so over the moon about it and it was so tangible and in my hand and and, and i part of me is kind of like oh yeah no i'm just at square one and this but like i did get pretty excited mm -hmm. you awesome. know and like i thought about it i was like maybe i should just frame it yeah you know Dude, yeah i'm not even gonna cash it i'm just gonna frame it mm -hmm. and then i'm like oh maybe i'm just gonna i'm gonna blow it let's just go buy something totally stupid you know, <laughs> Forever you know like right. let's celebrate for real you know this is my dividend snowmobile right here yeah <laughs> yeah like the rest of them it's my dividend snowmobile because yeah. i got a dividend yeah 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 <laughs> everyone's like so did so did we like yeah man, but Okay. Yeah. yeah this is a little more special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nice when it's more material. Like you can really see the progress quite literally versus like mm -hmm. I think I'm being more empathetic, but I have no way of measuring that. So yeah, I'm just gonna kind of yes. Yeah, I'm gonna pay H E A. Like mm -hmm. ooh. Yeah. But I mean, learning responsibility too has been you know, and to prioritize my my life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just prioritize my bills, but like prioritize my life and to make time right. Right. For 
very important things and I have to make these appointments and, and my kids and, and it was so cool that I was home for all of it. I got to go to all of the parent teacher conferences for the kids that I have there in school. And I got right. to be there and be present and available and I was able to you know, budget my time correctly and there were some communication hurdles in there and, and, and to make everything work and two schools at two times and, and to be there and like those are other things you know I can't mm -hmm. hold them but but they're important Super. You know? and when I was running and gunning I wasn't really thinking too much about parent-teacher conferences to be honest like mm -hmm. I just wasn't really that wasn't where my head was at mm -hmm. and your uh, your ex-wife or your baby mama calls and says yeah the kids have parent-teacher conferences and you're like yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun. Hope they see you there. Yeah. Adios. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. they're doing good. Yeah. But no, to actually be involved with my kids is um, not just their education, but like their emotional well-being and what they're going through and, and to be there for them through their social problems and, and whatever. It's like, it's actually really cool because right. it's like a place I never thought I would be. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if you guys have kids. No. But how old are you? 22? Four. 24? And you're mm -hmm. 20... 23. 23. Yeah, see, by the time I was your guys' age, my kids were already, you know... Right. Yay, hi. Mm -hmm. I had kids pretty young, and when you're young like that, nobody really tells you, you know, these are the things that you're going to face later. Right. And I'm like, I had no concept. Like I said, I really had no concept of consequence, mm -hmm. you know? And so, to actually be able to be there for my kids you know it, I think it's one thing taking care of a baby right. like anybody could probably change a baby's diaper and like make a bottle and this like that's not really all that difficult mm -hmm. it's just not my five-year-old son can make a bottle for his cousin like mm -hmm. it's that's not hard right. okay but for me to be emotionally present and available right. to my kids and to make time for them and to get them where they're supposed to be on time and you know, make sure that, you know, dinner's made this and right. that. And like, you know, there's other responsibilities that nobody really talks about later mm -hmm. on when it comes to being a parent. And, right. and, and I'm still learning some of this, you <laughs> right. know, it's like, you know, to be that guy, Hey, it's mm -hmm. Wednesday. You need to get in the bath. Right. You know, and they're like, what? And like, come on, you know, I'm not, I've never been the voice of reason in my life. <laughs> you know, And all of a sudden I got to be the voice of reason. And it's mm -hmm. like, there's a change right there, mm -hmm. you know, being a voice of reason. Hmm. Weird, huh? Yeah, and it, dude, it's funny too, cause like, you talk about having kids, and like, especially having kids young, you're like, and I think everyone's like, okay, so these are the things that it's kind of goes back to you know what I mean, saying versus doing. You know, it's like these are the things I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to be there emotionally. I'm supposed to make time. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. I think, dude, even people outside of addiction, I mean, just, like, that's part of being a, hum a human, too, dude, is, like, that's right. that stuff gets difficult when you actually have to do it, you know what I mean? Because, like, no one, everyone says, you need to be there for your kid, but when they come to you with struggle, you know, and it's completely individualized, you're like, well, I'm here, but, like, now, what do I do? You know what I mean? Like, they ask me this, like, how do I respond? Like, I think that's part of, like, learning. There's no manual. Yeah, exactly. You know, but... And like I said, to pick up the phone and call somebody, like mm -hmm. sometimes I got some problems that like I don't personally know how to deal with. Right. They come to me with a problem and I'm like, hmm, you know, let's find out. Right. You mm -hmm. know, I try not to like let them see the panic <laughs> you know, like, or I don't know, you know, like, right. well, let's, let's figure this out, mm -hmm. you know. And then we definitely don't do it alone. Yeah. 
you know. And I always wanted to do everything by myself, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a long time. For as, for as dependent as I was on the world, I still had, like, this illusion of, like, self whatever like I want to do it by myself and self-motivation and Mm -hmm. you know I want to do things alone and I have a hard time asking for help and oftentimes I won't ask for help until like it's broke and ruined and like I'm in trouble right but so learning how to ask for help before things get bad is a relatively new concept like hey I need some help and and I'm and I know to do it I know that I should, but I don't always do it. Right. I think that's important for anybody in any, like, level of recovery. You know what I mean? Because I feel like especially as you advance in recovery, you know, you get three, four, five, ten, fifteen years. Like, you're supposed to be the guy with the answers now. You know, like you said, like, people expect different things from you as you kind of progress. And so, like, it kind of becomes this wave of, like, in addiction, it's really hard to ask for help because... First of all, whatever reason that may be, stigma, you just don't want to. It's not part of your personality. You don't really want to quit, so you don't really want help. Whatever that looks like. Then you get into it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm willing to ask for help now. I'm starting to ask for help. And then, like, you get to a certain point, and they're like, you start asking for help. Four years, you know, I think I should have this stuff figured out by now. Right, well, that's half the problem with me is, like, I think I should Right. You know, I'm like, call my sponsor and I'm like, I got three years clean and I'm having these problems. Like, I should be at this point. He's like, dude, you're just expecting something of yourself. Right. And like you were talking about, like, I should have the answers at 10 years or all this or whatever. I see these guys in the community and I hear them and I listen to them talk at 12-step meetings. And the, the guys with 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, and they're, they're preaching like, I got the answer. I got the answer. I know. Like, I don't want nothing you got going on, bro. I don't, I don't want to be around you. I don't want to listen to those people. And if I can, I will steer people away from that because I don't think there's a lot of humility in that. I don't think there's a lot of, maybe this is me being cynical or rude or whatever, but like, if you're going to act like that and you got 15 years clean, then I don't want nothing you got, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Correct if, me if I'm wrong. I think you're the kind of person who doesn't like people who think they're the <laughs> more yeah. or less. Like, yeah, but on the flip side, there's probably somebody out there in the world that thinks I think I'm the yeah, you know I mean? I, but I even see, I like, even talking to you, I see that kind of reflecting yourself. You're like, all right, I did this, but that doesn't mean, like, I'm the NLB, all right? That's just regular stuff. Like, you kind of downplay it because, I mean, like me, I'm not a huge fan of people who are super prideful. So sometimes I'll downplay that because I'm like, I don't want to be that person. I struggle to deal I with I think it person. comes with some balance, too, dude, because, like, obviously I can err on the more confident side of that spectrum a lot of the time. I think there's nothing wrong with being confident, and I think that, or, or, you know, I've been cocky and arrogant and I've been a lot of those things throughout my life. And I think that some people even perceive me to be that even now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And the ego that comes along with some of these things and I can be, you know, I can have an ego and I can be egotistical and I can be self-centered and arrogant and all of those things. That's really my natural state. And mm-hmm. so when I am avoiding people like that or I don't want to be around them, mm-hmm. it's because I'm susceptible to that. Right. It's not that mm. I'm better than that. It's mm. I don't want that shit rubbing off on me. Right. Because I'm already mm. trying to deal with that. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to stuff that and take care of it and do something different and put it away and put right. that shit to rest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so part of I don't need that influence. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is, like, you have to have enough confidence to know, like, you can do certain things. You know, like, I am confident enough 
to do my job well and I know I'm competent and I know like some identity things where you know you're competent and have some confidence in yourself to do certain things like be a good parent or to be a good human being but at the same time realizing that dude like you don't have all the answers and I'll like a lot of people are good humans that we can talk to and figure things out with I don't always have all the skill mm-hmm. right like with my job when I started it I knew nothing about any of that mm-hmm. I didn't know anything that I was doing right. but what I did have was confidence and drive in the fact that yeah I'll do it mm-hmm. I'll learn I'll figure it out right. I'll show up I'll be there I'll put in my effort I'll, I'll learn I'll try mm-hmm. and I think that hustle goes a long way right for lack of a better term yeah. you know I think you can bluff through a lot dude if oh, you're just yeah. willing to stand up and work and do it mm-hmm. and show up and be there and participate it's like it doesn't really matter how good you are right you know and that'll come you'll you'll gain the skill later or whatever but as long as you're willing mm-hmm. you know yeah. I think a lot of that being willing you know like being willing to show up and be there and do the work is like how you learn you know what I mean like yeah. you're not learning any of it if you're not there so like half like you said dude like i run into this problem with like my wrestlers all the time you know what i mean like things get hard for them they're like oh i don't want to do this anymore you know i'm not very good at it like and that's why i don't want to do it or like you're giving up on yourself like too early you know what i mean like you haven't given yourself enough time to actually learn it to be good at it to enjoy it the way you want to like yes things are going to suck right now but you kind of got to keep going get through it to get where you want to be you know what i mean like and that is the same thing with work and like just with being a decent human being, we're not going to be the best people. We're not going to be Mother Teresa every single day. But, no. I mean, we can be, we can keep trying to be as good as we can be every day. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's just like a relative effort thing, you know. Like like you said, showing up and being willing to learn and do these things that are, like, part yeah, of Yeah, I think that, that w- the willingness, you know, I'm mm-hmm. willing to try. Right. I'm willing to pick up the tools. I'm willing to, you know, mm-hmm. willing and they talk about that in, uh, I don't know if you guys read any recovery-based literature, you know, but they talk about the how of it is mm-hmm. H-O-W, the honesty, open-mindedness, and the willingness, you know, mm-hmm. I'm willing to try. Right. And before, I wasn't really willing to try. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't. I think, like, what, I mean, and I don't know, let's come out of the, a conversation we're having, you know, it's like, I think the hard part about that's being willing to try is you're inherently opening yourself up to being willing to fail. Because anything you try at, and you genuinely try at, even if it's just within your own interpersonal self, if you don't succeed, then to yourself even you failed. Even maybe if you surpass everyone's wildest expectations, you know what I mean? To you, like, being able to accept that. You know, like we talked about earlier, that, like, when I try at things, like, I may not be graded on the first time I One of two things will happen when you try, okay? And this is with anything. It'll either work... Or it won't. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And I call my sponsor about this. And I'm like, I got this problem and I don't know what to do. And I don't think it's going to work. And he's like, look, man, it'll either work or it won't. And I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> he's like, well, it's going to work out for you. And you're going to, you know, A, B, or C, or this is going to happen. Or or it won't. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm so hung up on the won't. I'm like, what if it doesn't? Mm. You know, it's just like. And then I had to look, kind of learn to reel back and look at these situations from the outside for a second. I'm like, yeah, it'll work or it won't. Right. You know? And if, if it doesn't, we're going to try something else and then either yeah. it won't or it will. And hopefully we're going to find something that will eventually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we got to try to either get to the will. Yeah. Otherwise, like, if we do nothing, that's practically a won't in itself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not working, obviously. You know? It'll work or it won't. 
I think being overwhelmed by that complexity is pretty easy to get into an apathetic mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're playing against someone and you destroy them, like, well, I wasn't trying. Like, I don't actually care. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier to just kind of play it off, you know, and be like, right. this is really complex. So, you know what? Forget it. Forget the whole thing. It doesn't even matter anymore. I'm mm-hmm. out. I'm just going to do something else. Right. But then to really dive into it, even if with the option of, you know, maybe you, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, that's always an option, but still being willing to brave it and see it through, at least now you know. Right. You didn't kind of quit before you start. That's sort of like I try to shed the expectation, right? And I do have expectations, Mm -hmm. whether I say I do or I don't, or this or that, like, I'll tell you guys candidly right now, it's not really candid, I'm sure people are listening, but, but I do. Right. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I do have expectations Mm -hmm. and I do care. Everybody right. has them. And mm-hmm. they say expectations are just premeditated resentments. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'll buy that. And I will. Okay, I'll buy that. But I try not to have them. I don't mm-hmm. have them with everything. Right. Because some things I've already learned. I've already been burned. I've been there. I've done that. And I don't expect anything out of this. <laughs> right. What I expect is actually for you to not do this. Because mm-hmm. that's what I know. Or whatever the case yeah. may be. So, mm-hmm. like, I just try not to have any expectations so, like, I don't get hurt. And to draw the line, and, like, where does that, you know, mesh with the apathy of it? Like mm-hmm. you said, right. you know, like, because I can just really not care, you mm-hmm. know? And when I think about apathy, I think about, like, slowly smoking cigarettes in the cab of my truck and, like, not caring about anything, mm-hmm. you know? And I and think, so like... I try not to be apathetic. Right. Right. And I think that's easy to, like... I used to do that all the time, too, with, like, sports I wasn't good at. Because, like, I'm a low-key competitive person. Like, I try not to be as competitive as I am because it ruins my experience. Because <laughs> right. I just get pissed, dude. Yeah, like, I just don't have fun. Oh, I really like to Yeah, and so, like, <laughs> trying to, like, make it, like, I have to, like, dial myself back and, like, care a little less. But in a way that's, like, not apathetic. You know what I mean? It's like, but where do we draw that line and we get into the habit of being so, like, okay, like, to actually enjoy what I'm doing right now, I have to, like, kind of take a step back and realize that this is something like I'm supposed to be having fun with, but at the same time, like not completely not care. So I just like, cause then I go home and I'm like, can't believe I've been lost. Like like, I'm just not into it. It's like some things like, uh, like I did this led conversion Mm -hmm. in the cab of my truck for my whole instrument cluster. I changed out all the gauges to leds and and it was like way cool. Okay. (laughs) It was like way awesome. And and you got to kind of modify the bowl before you put it in and all this, do all this research. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be like a fun activity because it's it's pretty chill and I've done it before and I know what's going down and I did this one other time and And you expect it to be a good experience. So it's going to roll all smooth. Right. And I'm going to have a nice chill time it's, right. i call it like low impact work you know and so we're like and i'm like taking the screws out and i got this little magnetic tray and like i'm kind of having a good time and mm-hmm. then and then i get further into the dash and these what were screws on the other truck are now like little hex bolts here mm-hmm. i'm like oh no it's different and then next thing you know like the things don't want to fit correctly and to get that <laughs> to get it all out and then it's like next thing you know it's like getting a little later it's getting a little darker and all of a sudden like I'm not really having all that much fun (laughs) and I'm like in a panic and now Mm -hmm. my fun little afternoon project is like I'm like like I'm just so irritated and I'm not getting anything done and it's like way worse than it was before I started and it's like (laughs) oh my god you know and so but the cool thing is and I'll revert back to the previous lesson is like I have somebody to call Mm -hmm. right 
Yeah. And he knows about as much as me. So between the two of us, I'm pretty sure we can figure this out. Right. Yeah. And he comes over. Or he may have a different tool that you don't have, like, to actually, like, get the bolt out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, well, that wasn't even the thing. Like, I had all the bolts, dude, and I had all the screws <laughs> and everything. I have everything. I have all the tools. But mm-hmm. to get it to do what I want it to do and actually fit back the way it went was like, mm-hmm. I didn't remember it being this difficult. <laughs> and, uh, like it, and it wasn't before. And so how do I make it all go back together and fit? Because mm-hmm. it looks like it fits until you put the next piece on and it doesn't. So, right. Oh my God. So next thing you know, like I'm overwhelmed mm-hmm. and now I have to call and ask for help. Right. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lesson to be learned in pretty much anything. Definitely. And, and I think that's part of recovery too, dude, is learning to look for positive lessons. Look too. for the lesson. Mm-hmm. It's either a blessing or it's a lesson. Right? <laughs> Amen, brother. It's a double loss if you not only is a terrible experience, but you get nothing out of it. Right. You're double screwed. You're in a bad mood and you get nothing. Like, yeah, but then I chalk it up to this. And I'll do this during the good times and the bad times. And I'll stop. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's with me and we're in a group, I'll pull somebody aside and I'll say this. Mm-hmm. I'll say, hey, man, you see what we're doing right now? We're going to look back on this in like a year. Right now. And we're in it right now. And remember this talk that I'm giving you right now. And we're going to remember this. And we're going to say, hey, remember that time? You guys remember? I'll see you guys in like two years. Hey, remember that time we were at the library? We did that podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, wasn't that a good time? I'm like, yeah, man, that was awesome. Right. You know, so it's kind of, I'll, I'll stop in the moment. And sometimes when it's really not going all that great, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we're going to look back on this job and be like, remember that shit? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some bonding like, to be uh, had even in those negative experiences, yeah. dude. Like, even I think about like wrestling in high school. I mean, like, pretty just whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's an experience a ton of kids have. But like, I think like four of my best friends, they're still kids we re- I wrestled with in high school and like one of them like lived with me because he lived on the other side of town to wrestle for our high school. So like right. we lived together for like two months, you know what I mean? Like per year for three years, you know, two, three months a year. And like still to this day, dude, like I was just texting him this morning because it's one of those things where like, oh dude, remember when you used to like not eat and then go and watch like Nick Swartzen and it was like the only moments of joy we had all day. And then like we'd wake up the next morning at five and go to morning practice and hate life. And like, <laughs> he's like... Yeah. 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 Good times. So like, <laughs> yeah, like, and when you're in it, you don't always realize like these are the times, even right. if they're not all that great. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the times. These are the days of our lives, right here, guys. And we're <laughs> living them. And mm-hmm. the, these are gonna be the good old days. Right. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. I think true. so. I yeah, really and dude, so. that's a lot easier to appreciate in recovery. You know what I mean? Because like just probably a more genuine outlook on life, a more realistic outlook on life. And realistically, life is going a lot better, obviously. So then that, a positive outlook. But like, days start to run together and like, next thing you know, it's two weeks from yesterday and like, you don't remember the last two weeks of your life. And you're like, I used to always think this dude, like I'd be like, smoke weed, drink for like two weeks in a row and like black out for like three days in a row. And then you're like, dude, like those are three days of my life that like, I'm never going to get back. Try doing that for years, bro. Right, dude? Like Years. And some of these old guys will tell you about how they lost decades. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I get it, though. I did six weeks at work this last time, and it was, and I only usually do two. Mm -hmm. And so I did six. So I had to do my regular time, my off time, and then my other, my next regular hitch. So I had to do six. Mm -hmm. And it was like everything just blurred together right like i don't we were on so many jobs and doing so many different things and like 
I just tried to stay so focused and so busy and just, you know, because if I'm sitting there watching the clock, like, dude, mm-hmm. six weeks, if you watch the clock all day <laughs> for long for six, six weeks, weeks oh yeah. sucks, bro. Mm-hmm. Might as well get something done. Right. So I sometimes I leave my watch in the truck, too. Right. You know, and I just work. Yeah. And they'd have to tell me, oh, it's lunchtime or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, when you're in it, like, you don't even really realize until it's mm-hmm. over. Right. Next thing you know, you're like home in your bed, and you're like, "Whoa," you know. And I think that that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and it's important even in the bad times, dude. Like, this too the tough pass, right? Right. Yeah, you know, to take some step back and like feel what you're feeling. You know what I mean? And like feel the moment that you're in. You know, and like kind of just in your space, like, because then, dude, when you take that step back in like the good times, you know what I mean? Like, it's like. Like, wow, like, I remember the last time I took a step back was, like, the worst time ever, which it may not have been the worst time ever, but, you know, it wasn't enjoyable, and now, like, taking this step back, it was, like, just maybe a little bit of a deeper appreciation you had before for, like, life in general. Right. You know I mean? So, like, this too shall pass, right, when right. the times are hard, and it's like, this, we'll get through this. Well, it's mm-hmm. like, same thing with the good times, dude. <laughs> right. This too shall pass, like... Mm-hmm. Think about it during the summer. You know what I mean? Like we had some really, really nice days this summer, and like summer here was pretty sweet, dude. Right. But I knew, and it's maybe it's me being cynical, but I'm like, oh, these days are numbered. Like right. you better soak this in. Tell them kids, you better get outside right now, because mm-hmm. it's about to be November, and here right. we go. And it is November, and it's like I was wishing there were sunny days. So better enjoy them while they're here. You right. Know, mm-hmm. I would Definitely. do anything for a sunny day right now. Wouldn't that be great? Right. Yeah, it's been raining for like the last four days. I think this room. is supposed to be snow. Yeah. Nice Probably. try. You're not fooling me. <laughs> but no, I think that's like... I think that's one of the cool things that like can be offered in recovery to, in recovery to somebody that's not. You know what I mean? Because like learning ways to like truly and genuinely like appreciate and value your life you know what I mean like and not that like everybody in an addiction like doesn't value their life but like I think your feelings are obviously like are more felt and more like they set in heavier when you can actually feel them you know what I mean like when you're not numbed out yeah well I numbed for a long time because I didn't want to feel right you know like when uh when my best friend passed away I was 19 and he was 22 Mm -hmm. um I didn't want to feel anything yeah. and I did anything and everything in the world that I could because I had no concept of dealing with grief. Right. All I knew was anger mm-hmm. and drugs and drinking and women, lots and lots of women, loads of women, loads of booze, lots of really bad choices. That's mm-hmm. when I started going to jail real heavy, like all these things because I had no way to cope and I had right. no way to deal with it. I had no understanding of the grief cycle. Mm-hmm. anything dude I didn't right. know anything about any type of recovery I didn't know anything about mental health I didn't know nothing bro right. and so I'm just medicating because mm-hmm. I don't want to feel anymore I have nobody to talk to about it well I could have talked to somebody about it but I just felt like I was just too go- far gone right. you know like they're not going to want to talk to me like I'm too drunk mm-hmm. you know I've been up for five days right. you know I'm not making any sense these people don't want to hear from me mm-hmm. you know and so all this time goes by and then I'm riddled with all this grief and then I like really that those there's two deaths three three deaths in my life that have hit me real hard but that was probably like one of the top two and um, and I never really dealt with it properly until later, and so like I'm just self-medicating right. for forever. Right. 
and until I decide to look at it and start dealing with it properly, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, and then when my grandpa died, the only thing I knew to do was to drink about it. Right. Yeah. You know, I kind of quit doing drugs for the most part. I kind of could take them or leave them at that point. But like, I just was completely co- like I was dependent chemically on the alcohol mm-hmm. and, and I could just do nothing but drink about it, you know? And I know that, that would be the last thing that he would ever want me to do about it. Right. But that's what I did because I didn't want to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this hole inside of me, right? Mm-hmm. And I fill it with anything. Liquor, weed, women, money, work, this, that. Likes mm-hmm. on Facebook, Instagram posts. Like, whatever makes me feel good. Like, I just mm-hmm. put it in this hole, right? Well, like... It's like a God-shaped hole. That's what I think. I'm mm-hmm. filling a God-sized hole with liquor and dope and women and money and all this stuff. And, like, really what goes in there. And the only thing that can fill that hole is God, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's that feeling, that searching for more. Like, I'm not addicted to what, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. Right. I'm addicted to when. Mm-hmm. And the when is right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm addicted to immediacy. I want it right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to take the pill that makes me feel good today. Right. Right. So like some of these people, and, and I've been there, it's not like I'm different or exempt. They get mm-hmm. on like mood stabilizers or like antidepressants or whatever. And you got to be on that stuff for like a while. Right. For it to even start to work is what mm-hmm. they say. You know, you got to take it for like three weeks. You won't even notice anything. Right. You know, until like three weeks and then like life will be a little better. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it works, right? Well, like me, I don't want to wait three weeks. I want, the, <laughs> right. I want the Xanax that works right now. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that immediacy, that need for it is what, I mean, ultimately could have killed me and, and kills countless others right because they want to numb out right mm-hmm. now you know sometimes i wish i could shut it off right mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's where the meditation comes in right mm-hmm. so like they talk about it in 12-step community we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with god as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out that's heavy shit Bro, right. that's step 11, right? Mm-hmm. We sought through prayer and meditation. Prayer is talking, but meditation is listening, mm-hmm. right? So we shut up because we've been praying since step three, mm-hmm. right? We ask God, we, we ask God for this and we tell God that and we ask God for help and all this. So like we stop asking and then we stop talking and then mm-hmm. we start listening, right? We're listening for God's will in our life, right? And I think that that's huge. And, and I don't think people talk about that enough. You know, mm-hmm. how do you, you know, anybody in a 12 step meeting will tell you how they stayed sober, how they drink, how they do this, how they help people, how do they do this. Once you ask them, how do you meditate? Right. And a lot of these dudes will say, uh, what? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you meditate? How do you listen for what, you know, how do you know what God's will is in your life? Because it's easy to just pray and be on your way. Mm-hmm. I can ask God for help. And I'm not even a Christian, bro. I'm not talking about Jesus. Right. I'm not talking about Buddha. Like, I just use God as a general term. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like uh, a higher energy or, mm-hmm. or an ultimate power or a higher power or creative intelligence or right. whatever. Put the whatever put the moon 
right. and all this into orbit, right? Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't me. There was a right. power behind all that, and it's mm-hmm. bigger than me. And that's what I and I think even just to. like existing in this world, you know what I mean? It's like like look around you. You know what I mean? Like you are one person in one town in the most isolated state in one of 300 and some countries. You are one of seven billion. You know what I mean? Like, there is a world, there is a higher power in the fact that there are things that govern you outside of you the second you step out of your door, as in, like, society, like, the way we have to function in society, our government, like, and not even, like, they put the rules, you know what I mean? You have to function in that, but, like, taking care of other people's needs and, like, being on time and, like, listening to people, you know what I mean? And being respectful of other people, like, these are things that we genuinely, like, they're bigger than me. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, and they're like bigger than you. Outside and, and of us. I can't stop any of that, right? right? So there's something out there, right? So when I try to tap into that energy, mm-hmm. however I choose to do that, people do a lot of weird <laughs> man. Well, I mean, it might not be weird to them, but like, you know, healing and crystals and all this with mm-hmm. feathers and, and, and like cards. And I mean, right. there's a lot of ways that people tap into this energy. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I think that it works. Whatever like, works Dude, I had you, a tarot yeah. card reading. Okay. Like, so I don't even <laughs> No, I'm serious. No, yeah, no. And I'm like, I'm Just super, I'm super skeptical. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of research and I've read the Bible front to back and I've read a lot of really good books. And, and, you know, so like, I'm kind of skeptical though, when it comes to like, magic for lack of a better right. term like yeah. I, th- I believe in science and magnetism and electricity and, and mm-hmm. all that so like magic is like oh, we can define it some other way so i get this tarot card reading right and it's me and these two other people and like there's this book that like that uh like defines the cards where it translates the cards mm-hmm. and kind of what's the meaning behind all of it and we got these candles going and i'm like and this is like i'm like a year and a half almost two years clean and i'm like laying on the floor in the dark and there's these candles and they're doing this reading and like then we're sitting cross-legged and like it's we're getting weird dude <laughs> and, and like i'm all dialed into these cards well mm-hmm. like for just one minute dude it talks about like uh, we choose to believe or we come to believe is step mm-hmm. three it's a process we come to believe right right uh, so I just decided to subscribe for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I decide to believe that this is real and it works and I, and I just, I just subscribe. Right. And I'm right. in there and I'm getting this tarot card reading and it blows my mind how accurate and crazy and wild this whole thing is. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I had a great time Right. and the people were cool and, and like the vibe was right. And the cards like kind of mm-hmm. told my story for lack of a better right. term. And and it was cool, mm-hmm. you know, because I chose to subscribe to it. I think yeah. that's why it worked. But it was more than just like a placebo thing, like mm-hmm. eat the pill and you'll do this. And, right. and really, you know, you're just eating the sugar pill and, mm-hmm. and, and you're like tricking yourself. I think it was a little bit more than that, though. Right. You know. And I mean, regardless of what it is, you know what I mean? Like, take out whatever it was. You know what I mean? It was, first of all, it was a positive experience. And yeah. it benefited, benefited your life. It was you know awesome. I mean, that's like the cool, that's like... At the end of the day, you can strip away all the things that are subjective, but like, obje- I mean, I guess that's subjective in a way too, but like objectively within yourself, like it was a good time, it was a good experience and like it benefited my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think like at the end of the day, when we strip away all the things that like we may or may not believe in, you know, like choosing to believe in that you can have positive experiences and that life can be positive is like beneficial in itself. You know what I mean? Like, 
And we talk about the greater world, right? Like you were talking about, like mm -hmm. we're just a very small piece of a very, very large puzzle. Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize that until I got out in the world and I traveled to a couple other places. I haven't right. even been to that many places, dude. Mm -hmm. I went to like Chicago, right. and then I went to like Nashville. Okay, yeah. like some pretty populated areas, okay? Mm -hmm. and, but what I realized is how accepting they were and how open-minded and like people are kind of out there bro like mm -hmm. kind of weird like we live in a pretty straight-laced like middle-class pretty white christian conservative neighborhood around here oh yeah kenai and soldatna like it's a little uppity i mean mm -hmm. there's some pretty rough places in the world dude right. and so like people here are really not that open-minded they're mm -hmm. not and and i think that um a lot of that has to do with where we're actually at in the world. Right. If you actually look at where we're yeah, at on the I'm map. I'm actually dude. reading a really interesting book on this right now, dude, about uh, he's like the leading historian on Alaska. His name's Stephen Haycox. So we're actually talking about like how this like anti-statism and like distrust of the federal government and like how isolation has played a part in like the in the attitude that Alaskans take on as a frontier, like, community. Oh, yeah. And so, dude, it's like, you saying that's super interesting to hear it from somebody, like, who's from, obviously, I'm from Montana, so, like, I come up here and I read the book, and I'm like, because obviously, dude, I moved here, and I was like, you know, people are, like, not weird, but I mean, because Montana's very conservative as well, very white Christian conservative place. You could drive somewhere else, though. You right, could get in your exactly, car. yeah. You could go drive somewhere. You, could... you drive to call, you drive nine hours, dude, you're in Denver, like the right. most liberal place in the world. Dude, dude if I drive, right if I drive for nine hours, I can get to Fairbanks. <laughs> okay, like, like, I don't even leave the state, okay? Right. Like, I could have passed through several other states. So, yeah, mm -hmm. we are super isolated here. And I think that what that's caused is, I don't know how to say it other than this kind of makes people a little weird, dude. <laughs> you know, we're pretty much, I mean, we live on a peninsula. Right. Okay, we're one side short of being an island. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, we're pretty much on an island. Right. And if you don't seek, like, outside, like, opinion, for lack of a better term, you know what I mean? Or just, like, other ideas. Yeah. Like, you don't get much outside of you your know, little small town. Exactly. Dude, There's a yeah. whole culture out there and people mm -hmm. get weird. Like you see people around town, they come here to visit tourists or they come here to work and they, they dress differently or whatever is, you know, that's the culture of where they're from and they mm -hmm. bring it with them wherever they go. Like I do too. Right. Okay. Um, and we think it's weird or it's different or what are you doing in my town? Or you can spot them. Like they're not get from here. Yes. dude. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's really like that here. Mm -hmm. And, and I think other places are a lot more open and tolerant, right. you know, um, even more like flamboyant, mm -hmm. you know, like place like new Orleans or, mm -hmm. you know, like I seen street performers in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, and that wouldn't have flown here, dude. Right. You know, they'd run you off, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that, where we're at plays kind of a pretty big role in our attitudes. Right. And I think even like, even if you hear this, like as an audience member, or like, that's stupid. You know what I mean? Like, that's your prerogative. But like, even just like, even if you take just a quick examination of your life, just like not even super deep, and you're just kind of like, am I, you know, like, am I open-minded? Like, and even if you like think through it and decide that you are, great you know what I mean but like I think there's a like a level of self-reflection like it just for anybody's life dude even like obviously Buddha still meditated you know what I mean like it's always good to have like a little bit of self-reflection like trying to kind of think outside of yourself like we were talking how about. open-minded am I really right. and I've been and I've been wondering this too dude 
and it, and and when I think about that, the word tolerance comes into play. Like, what am I willing to tolerate? What am I willing to be around? What kind of people do I aspire to be like? Like, what am I willing to, you know? And how has that changed? Okay, in, like, so the so like I don't, years I really don't think I'm as open minded as I claim to be. Right. And that's pretty candid. I mean, for mm-hmm. me to say that, it's kind of like, oh man, but. I really don't think I'm as open-minded as I think. And mm-hmm. I think that even now, like, I do judge people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that maybe I've done it more so now than I did before. Because I didn't right. even have an awareness before. Mm-hmm. Now I have a sense of awareness about me. And I've actually used that. And I try not to judge. But anybody who says, like, oh, I don't judge anybody. Like, they're full of shit, bro. Yeah. Everybody judges yeah somebody okay well it's like an it's almost like evolutionary you know what i mean like you have to like walk in and judge situations and like kind of find where you fit and like if i had no judgment i'd be dead <laughs> right okay yeah like i couldn't judge anything and then mm-hmm. like something something would happen to me like right that's mm-hmm. just all there is to it so like i have to have some, some judgment about me mm-hmm. but i think not holding people to that right, right? like maybe you're not your mistakes or mm-hmm. maybe you know and, or that's where forgiveness comes into play, right? Right. Like, I'll let this slide. But but as things have happened to me, like, I've grown to be pretty callous. So, like, mm-hmm. I have kind of a new outlook on things these days. And I am more cynical. And I am a little bit more rigid with what I allow to be around me. Mm-hmm. And I could chalk it up. To, and I could say to, it's like, uh, it's about keeping me safe. Or, mm-hmm. or it's about my well-being. Or it's just, I don't want to be around that. Right. It's not even about my safety, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't prefer that. Right. You know, and I don't want to be like that, or I don't want to be around those types of people. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people, like, I don't even want to be around people who think a certain way sometimes. Right. And, and it's not about, oh, it's going to rub off on me. It's like, I just don't like it. Right. You know, and those are the hard facts about me that I'm mm-hmm. coming to grips with. And it's not real fun to advertise, and it's not something to be proud of. Right. I mean, that's but, part but of- it's true. Yeah. Those are the facts about me, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes they are hard to swallow and even to admit out loud. It's like, oh my God, did you just claim to be judgmental? Well, like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know, like, I would be lying if I said I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know? Well, part of it is, part of tolerance is putting up with something that you don't like. Because if you like it, it's not tolerance. Right. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the, the idea is that you simultaneously, simultaneously, don't like something, but then you're okay with it happening. But I mean, some of it's social norms too. There's a balance, right? I mean, I'm not, I don't want to judge people, but if someone is in a restaurant and they're just screaming, right. I'm going to judge them because yeah. social norms, I don't like that. Well, here's mm-hmm. the deal. I'm not going to tolerate that. Exactly. Like, right. I'm going to leave. Right. I will straight leave. Uh-huh. And, and if I've they feel that. judged, that's too bad. Because like, well, but here's where the maturity or the growth comes in. Like, I don't have to tell that lady, hey, dude, your kid's this and that, and that's why I'm leaving. Yeah. I just, I don't do that. I just, I just quietly, I just leave. Dude, that right. happened to me the other day, dude. I was mm-hmm. at a, I was at a coffee shop. And so, like, I go to there to work, usually, you know what I mean, or do homework. And so, like, I like the big table. And they have <laughs> booths, right? There's, like, three booths, though, and then a lot of, like, one-seater tables. But the one-seater tables, dude, their table isn't big enough for my laptop, my notebook, my book, you know what I mean? All the things I need mm-hmm. to, like, do the work I'm doing, right? So I sit at the booth. And this place, when I walked in, only guy in there, right? But then, dude, like, not even half an hour later, the place is like just jammed and this old like this group like this elder group like walks by me and i'm thinking like oh like they're gonna ask me to give up my seat which like isn't a big deal right like they have four people like i'm a okay human being like i'll move these people if they ask right but they don't ask 
They walk to the back, they walk forward, and they're walking down the stairs to leave. And this lady looks back at me like that. She whips her head around. She says, hmm, one person for four seats. They should make him move. And then leaves. And I'm all thinking is like, and I'm, I judged her. I'm not going to lie. But here's where I'm being honest. I was like, I wanted to say some things, you know. I wanted to call her some names, but I didn't because I'm, like, working on that, you know. Right. Like, on my verbiage and, like, what I call people and how I approach people. But I'm thinking, like, dude, like, all she had to do was, like, hey, would you, like, we have four people. Would you mind, like, moving to this table right here? And I would have said, oh, Absolutely. that sounds lovely, man. I'd, be, I'd enjoy to do that for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, being willing to, like, ask instead of just like make like a snide comment to the back of my head and was like I don't know dude I feel that though it's like it's okay to ask for things it's okay to ask for help it's okay to like make yourself heard you know and if someone says no you know what I mean like at least you can be okay with like well I was polite about it or I was this about it you know what I mean so like I was in this position and and it's way that the world works is Mm -hmm. just it's so weird um and I'm gonna speak freely and I and I and I really hope he listens to this um, a year ago, I worked with this kid, and he had just turned 21. Shout out to you, Jaden. I really hope you're listening. Um, and he really irritated me, and he was me at 21. Mm-hmm. That's probably why I was so upset. And I was just <laughs> right. like, and like we're on this job together, and like I just, I couldn't handle this dude. I just I wanted to throttle him every time I looked at him, you know. Mm-hmm. And then time goes by, and I work with him more, and then we get put in the same, you know, situ- the sleeping situation. We, they move the crew to the hotel, and I gotta live with this dude and work with him. And then, and then I'm like, oh my god, and then like, I just want to kill this dude. And then like, but there's these weird little conversations we'd had, and like, and I really enjoyed him. And then we become mm-hmm. friends on Facebook, and then. And now he actually works for the company that I work for. We, we both switched and I've worked around him and I've seen him at camp. And, and like, I love talking to this dude. He's like one of my favorite people in the whole world now. And like, mm-hmm. I absolutely dig this dude and I think he's awesome. And before I didn't really like him that much because I wasn't being tolerant or I wasn't spiritually right. fit or I was annoyed or whatever. And then I found a common ground and like, and now I find that I can get along with people that I wouldn't even expect. Right. You know? And is yeah. that something you would have given a chance five, ten years ago? Never. Yeah. Never in my life. And right. you know, and, and what came of it is is a friendship that actually means something to me and, and, mm-hmm. and it's actually really cool. Right. You know, of somebody I would have never thought in my life I'd been friends with and now we're like super tight. Right. And even finding that common ground like you talked about. I mean, even if people are doing things that you consider are weird or whatever, there's still people. Like mm-hmm. odds are there's or something that you probably have in common with them that you wouldn't even right. expect. Yeah. Or odds are they think you're weird for something that you do. <laughs> right. Everybody's a weirdo to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know but everyone's got something to teach, you know. You can right. learn from something. That's up to you what you get out of out of conversation. Finding the lesson. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I don't know, like, I can understand talking to some people, it's like, there's nothing that they could possibly have that I don't already know, or it's it's just not going to be helpful in any way, and this is just a waste of time. Mm -hmm. But in reality, that's on me. That's my mindset Mm -hmm. of thinking that they, I know everything that they do, and I don't. I don't. Maybe they have an experience or something. Right. And I think that's the cool part about, like, when you're out of addiction you know and like you get kind of like this presence back where like you're not just like kind of numb to the world and like have your blinders on you know 
Like when you start to have conversations with people and like you said, like, you know, who do I want to be like? Or like, what do I want to be like? You know, and they start to be able to ask yourself these questions and then like meet people that you want to emulate. Like I always come up with these amalgams of like who I want to be and what parts of like what people I want to bring in. You know what I mean? It's like if I don't like everything about somebody, I'm sure there's something I do like about them. You know what I mean? Like not every single thing. Like I don't think there's anyone I hate fully and I don't think there's anyone that like I love absolutely everything they do. You know what I mean? Right. But like taking pieces of these people and kind of being like, okay, if I could learn this from him or that from her and like mm-hmm. kind of piece them together and integrate them into my life, like maybe I can take a step forward of being a better human being, which doesn't always work out. But It's, like, it's like my uncle, my dad's brother. He's, uh, I don't know what it is about this guy, man. He's my real blood uncle and mm-hmm. he is just like, sometimes I think like what would he do in this situation like how would he mm-hmm. respond like because he's just like super like spiritual and just like super awesome and he works really hard and he's just like a super good father and like a good husband and he's like an awesome grandpa and he's just like a badass employee and he's just like super like all of these things that like mm-hmm. I really aspire to man like right. he's just really somebody to look up to and like mm-hmm. his kids are super successful and he's just like like a bad dude you know and like and and he's my uncle and Mm -hmm. i like really look up to him you know it's like what do i aspire to be like and Mm -hmm. like you know when i think about what i aspire to like that's it in in a nutshell it's like Mm -hmm. if i could be like anybody that's who i'd want to be like right you know so yeah definitely yeah i think like that's and just like referencing again dude i don't think that's really super possible in addiction not genuinely I mean, tell me if you think I'm wrong, but like... No, I didn't really want to be like anybody. I wanted what they had, right. you know what I mean? Like, I wish I had that, or I want mm-hmm. that job, or that truck, or these things. And, like, I wanted their assets and not necessarily mm-hmm. their attributes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, and I didn't know how to emulate that. Or 20 bucks from them. 20 bucks. 20 <laughs> bucks. It's always 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I've had this talk so many times, dude. <laughs> It's twenty bucks, yeah. you know. No, just Any, twenty bucks, dude. It's, it's, it's kind of how, it's, it's how the world works, dude. Everything's right. twenty bucks, dude. <laughs> You'll get some gas, dude. Some, something from the store, anything. Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. Twenty <laughs> bucks. Gotta pull a twenty. Hey man, 20, I don't care yeah. what it is. Twenty bucks is twenty bucks, right? <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. 20 bucks is a good lesson, too, I think. Like, that's a good enough amount of money to invest in somebody to, like, mm-hmm. find out what's really going on. Right. You know, like, hey, can you lend me lend me 20 bucks? And I'm like, yeah, I'll lend you 20 bucks. And then if they run off and they never call you again, it's like, that was a good lesson. That was a $20 lesson to really figure out what the character was about. Right. They just sold their integrity for $20. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So that is... Hey, you don't sit over there and judge me, okay? <laughs> Why do you owe him twenty bucks? No, <laughs> no, I've been that guy though. Joe, dude, just buy me a drink, or yeah. just just do this, or just yeah. do that, or yeah. you know, or just no, you come to me. Yeah, let me get a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I just twenty it. bucks, dude. That's all I need is just twenty bucks, and I'll be good. <laughs> I need five years of therapy, is what I need, but yeah. twenty bucks will suffice for now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Yeah. Just real quick to bring it back, I was curious. Uh, I know you mentioned really uh, struggling with long-term goals versus short-term gain. What do you think was the biggest thing that really broke you? Broke 
uh, that open for you and, and kind of let you adjust? Because that's something that I struggle with personally. It's well, hard for me to, to put aside what's fun now. It's hard to have a you know, five-year plan when you're 20. You know what I mean? When you don't really think, I never really thought I'd see 21. You know what I mean? Like, I was never really thinking about the future. Right. And I, you know, and I mean, to be totally candid, like I, for a long time, like I had this plan to take my own life at a certain age, right? Right. And that ended up not happening because it got clean. And I was like, well, I'm probably not going to do that now. So it's like, I'm older than I ever really expected to be. So it's like, what do I do now? Yeah. Okay. Well, any self-respecting person they're going to have a goal, a plan, like a something, like I need to map out something for my life. And, and none of that really clicked, right? Like I got clean, I think I was like 27, and now I'm now I'm 30, okay? Like I never really thought about being in my 30s before. That really wasn't on the itinerary. So now that we're here, like we better make a plan, right? <laughs> like, and so what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And what, what do I want? What do I aspire to? How am I going to make this happen and mm-hmm. and I think that nobody's gonna do it for me mm-hmm. they're just not like mm. I'm not a kid anymore you're not a kid anymore like right. it's time to time to lace up your boots and mm-hmm. do something you know right make a plan what do you want to be everybody mm-hmm. what do you want to be when you grow up I ask my friends that like dudes who are my age and they're mm-hmm. all grown up and <laughs> we're at work and we're you know we all got our jobs and I'm like but what do you really want to be when you grow up <laughs> yeah. you know he's like well actually you know because nobody wants to do what I'm doing right now forever mm-hmm. they just don't like it's just gritty hard work and I don't know about you guys but if you guys want to go dig holes in the frozen ground when you're 70, you probably right. don't want to do that. Yeah. So it's, what do you want to be when you grow up? How are right. you going to not do that? And mm-hmm. it's, I don't even know the answer, dude. Right. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. But it's cool to be having those conversations with yourself, though. A half-decent human being. Right. right? A, a guy who's done some cool stuff and helped mm-hmm. some people out and, you know, tasted some of the finer parts of life and seen a little bit of the bottom and the whole mixture and the whole scale, like... Think there's anything wrong with that no dude and i think that's like some of the part that's forgotten you know what i mean like because like you said like well what do you want to be when you grow up you know what i mean 90 percent of 20 year olds or 99.7 well, percent of 2021 year olds will be like oh, i want to have this job i want to have this car i want to live here i want to do this all these like tangible tangible things when like no one's like well i want to do this and i want to like continue to be a good human being or a better human being you know what I mean like and that's a big part of goal setting dude like how am I going to proceed in being successful both in the physical aspect of life and my interpersonal spiritual religious whatever aspect that is for you you know what I mean that like often takes a back seat and maybe shouldn't because they work pretty well hand in hand you know what I mean right but like how do I want to succeed and live my life in a way that I'm when I look in the mirror, I'm okay with, you know, outside of like, oh, I have a nice car and I have a cool job. Well, like, like, I'll be totally candid with you guys. Like right now, as of right now, because I had things, I had goals that I had set up Mm -hmm. and I have actually knocked everything out on my list as of right right now. And so like right now, I actually don't have any goals, (laughs) which is weird. And I'm going to sit down and just, you know, I got to figure out something because it's time to initiate phase two or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like we're going on to the next step and Mm -hmm. I got to figure out, you know, what, what's the plan here. But right now I don't even have any goals right this Mm -hmm. minute. And I'm not saying I never had them. I just, I just actually got done completing them. So I need to come up with a new set of goals. Mm -hmm. 
you know and i and like people talk about a five-year plan like what's your plan it's like i don't know right now right i just don't you know and it's how do you live one day at a time because that's like the big 12-step mantra and everybody mm-hmm. you know you just do today you just do today if you're you know if you got one foot in the past and one foot in the future then you're pissing on the present and all mm-hmm. this you know the present's the present because it's a gift and all this and i'm just like trying to live in the moment but how do you live in the moment and look down the barrel for later without right. looking too far out mm-hmm. and tripping yourself up right you know so without I, getting overwhelmed too. good because i don't really know what to do right right now mm-hmm. you know? but i think that writing down some realistic goals right, right? and now i have a wife who's mm-hmm. my partner right and she has goals of her own and she's knocking those out and she like got this degree to do this thing and she's you know she's got her little career path so she has these goals for herself and I had mm-hmm. some goals for myself so to sit down with a partner and say right. what are our goals mm-hmm. you know because we're individuals but we're also like a unit right yeah. mm-hmm. so what's what's the goal for the unit here mm-hmm. you know yeah. and it all starts small like when you're you know for starting out it's like okay here's a one bedroom apartment Mm-hmm. Okay, now my kids are in my life a little more. Now I get a two-bedroom apartment. Now I got a kid full-time, and, and then the other kid's half-time, so now I need to get a three-bedroom. Right. So it's like, okay, now I'm progressing, mm-hmm. right? And these are all, those are goals as right. far as where you live, mm-hmm. but what do you want to do now? Mm-hmm. You know, now my immediate needs are met. Right. I have a reliable vehicle, a safe place to sleep, all these things, mm-hmm. which I always didn't know, don't always have before. Right. So now mm-hmm. I have all my basic needs are met, so now mm-hmm. what, what are my goals? Right. You know, and I think it's really hard for people in the struggle. And I've heard of guys living at the mission and all this, like, or sleeping under the bridge. They can't really make any goals because their only, their only goal the is, is to wake to, up tomorrow. Yeah. Where do I sleep? Yeah. Where do I sleep? How do I shower? What do I, mm-hmm. you know, and when the, some of these agencies around town, like Love Inc. and things like mm-hmm. that, or the hospital or PCHS or whatever, they, they kind of help with some of those things mm-hmm. to where you can focus more on, you know, how do we get you off the drugs or how right. do we get you employed? Now mm-hmm. you got a safe place to sleep and a good change of clothes. Right. Now let's go to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Cause when you're worried about, I don't have a toothbrush, right. it's kind of hard to think about anything else. Mm-hmm. What's so, my five year plan? Yeah. That way maybe I won't make it there. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. think dude, like when we bring in the mental health aspect of things too, dude, like, for people that face mental health struggles along with struggles and addiction, like you said, like you didn't think at 20 you'd make to see 21. So what's the point of making a five-year plan when you honestly don't plan on being there for five years anyway? You know what I mean? Right. Like, and so I think like being in recovery and even just taking the steps towards like, even if it is just like simply mental illness and you don't struggle with um, or an addiction challenge, I guess, like seeking and I know it's difficult here right part of being isolated too is we don't have all the services that we need but like doing as much as you can to seek like even just someone to talk to like a professional you know what I mean or like maybe that's one of these short-term goals that people start with you know what I mean it's like I'm gonna find somebody to talk to well I think that that mental health right and and it's been brought to the light more recently Mm -hmm. than it has in the past but mental health and and Chemical dependency, right? Go hand in hand. Absolutely. Depression, whatever you want to chalk it up to, any type of anxiety or whatever the the whatever right. it is, whatever the other illness is, mm-hmm. mental illness and addiction go hand in hand. Right. 
it's like a multifaceted deal, Absolutely. right? And and full transparency, like, yeah, I'm I'm an extreme alcoholic and, mm-hmm. a, and a drug addict, right? But I'm also bipolar, yeah, right. Absolutely. And so it's like, okay, now we treat the alcoholism and we get off the dope and we start living a little different, but like things are still not firing right, and I'm still feeling some type of a way or my mood swings or whatever. So like you mm-hmm. know, like mood stabilizers or or counseling if you right. don't need medication. Um, or, or therapy or, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, I think that tackling all of those things is, is very important and it can mm-hmm. be very challenging to be overwhelming. That's why like uh, peer support programs mm-hmm. are really awesome and, um, and having somebody to talk to or a right. counselor to go see and, you know, you get like a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that that's great. You know, right. and and a few years ago, like I never really talked like this. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about this. I wasn't, you know, none of this was on my radar. And now I understand that there is help available. Right. Some of the help in town, I'll be honest, it's not the greatest, mm-hmm. and they're really packed. And right. we talked about uh, before he left. Him and I were talking before we started this podcast. Actually, mm-hmm. we were talking about how one of the main doctors in town. Um, as far as the medicine goes, like he gets shut down for malpractice and right. he's pushing pills and all this. Well, that leaves a gap. What do we do with all these other clients? Mm-hmm. These people who they were going there for help. It's like now we got an influx of people that need more help on top of the help that we already needed. Right. And we're already jam-packed. We're already yeah. jam-packed. So what do we do? Mm-hmm. Right. And some of the health care and some of the counseling services, it's subpar. Mm-hmm. It really is. I think that's part of the geographic location too, being isolated and having just like a smaller population and less resources in general. Right. I mean, there's like that's also multifaceted too, and like, and I think even like when we relate it back to goals, you know what I mean? It's like even just like, because let's be honest, dude, like getting into a care provider right now, that's a four week goal. You, you got to set some little goals in between there to get yourself to week four. You right. Know what I mean, like, so I think like even the short term goal setting, like for people that are struggling right now. It's going to be super important. You know what I mean? Right. And if you're listening to this and you're struggling and the the process is too much, you know, just start, just fill out your intake packet. Sit there. Somebody will help you. Mm-hmm. Just fill out your packet. Mm-hmm. I know that it seems really overwhelming and how do I get the help and, oh, my God, this guy talks so fast and, and, and detox is full and i already been there twice and, oh, my God fill out your packet Mm -hmm. that's the first step right then we'll hand it in Mm -hmm. you know they will call you maybe hopefully i hope that they call you right i don't have a lot of good faith with callbacks in this neighborhood right now i'm kind of kind of a little raw about that Mm -hmm. the the callback kind of is not that great but there is help and it is possible Mm -hmm. to start with filling out the packet and we can move to the next phase, okay? The detox center, it works. Those people are there, they are helpful. That is a great resource. Care Transitions, shout out to everybody over there. Katie, Copper, Deb, Dr. Dale, Mm -hmm. those people, they really know. And they really are there to help and it is a great resource. You know, and if you can, and if you think you need to, you know, Serenity House Mm -hmm. saved my life. Right. You know, Serenity House is not the only treatment option. There's Cliff Throw, there's Rainforest in Juno, there's Nugent's Ranch, there's, you know, there are treatment options available. Mm-hmm. You know, we are living in a really awesome time. Right. It's 2020, dude. We are literally living in the future. <laughs> right. Okay. 
and and this stuff is in the spotlight they're talking about the opioid epidemic like mm -hmm. this is a national problem like people right. are very aware of this and there's a lot of help mm -hmm. available right 30 40 50 years ago there was not this much help absolutely there weren't this many books there weren't as many people out in the open about it like we're living in the age of information and the age of healing and it's happening right now right. and it's up to us to make recovery the epidemic mm -hmm. absolutely and you can be a part of that epidemic uh the serenity intake office you know or we know is 245 north binkley uh suite two um we also have a lot of community resources also available on our page we've talked to people from cicada as well uh, you can find their information on our page if that's something more you're looking for. Um, if you're struggling with other challenges, you know, domestic violence, we have a five-part series with the Lee Shore Center or any kind of power-based violence, reach out to them, you know, because this is a fully faceted community issue. This isn't just simply in, in a, an addict's issue anymore, you know. Like, this is a people-caring-for-people people opportunity to really make some big advancements in our community and, and addiction is a, is a family disease mm -hmm. it absolutely is it affects the whole family you know from from mothers fathers all the way down to these little kids right. you know um ocs <laughs> there are agencies that are willing to help mm -hmm. you know and for anybody like you said struggling you know get get to just go there right go to the intake office go to the lee shore center mm -hmm. the victim's right advocate is there in the courthouse that's like right. a little outlet of, of lee shore you know love inc mm -hmm. there there there's definitely a lot of help available and 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 it's worth talking to them you know and Absolutely. i have no shame in saying it like i've been there i got help from love inc when i was really really struggling to help get me into my apartment and this and that and i was able to you know get the help that I needed and, and, and it was so hard like because I'm you know so blue collar and so this and I worked so hard and I just couldn't make the ends meet and I just you know if I could just work harder than I could this or that like and to like really strip all that down and, and to shed the pride and say you know I need some help right. I've never really been in this position before and I don't really know what kind of help I need you know this is what I bring to the table these are what my issues are this is what happened and uh, the girl down there Allison she was able to like kind of help me navigate the whole thing and, and I was able to you know get into where I needed to go right so it was it's totally possible mm -hmm. you know there is a lot of help available in this community right mm -hmm. absolutely well man one year later one more year of progress and the same inspiring message. Absolutely. You're a man of the people, Zach. Thanks, Thanks guys. for coming on. This is you and I for the Kenai.